Hi everyone, I'm your host, Daniel Lee, and welcome to OMD Daily, a podcast about investing in people. Every Monday to Friday, I share with you what I learned the day before from studying people and companies through conversations, whether it's through interviewing investors and business leaders, to reading books and financial reports, and digesting learnings from all the other storytelling mediums out there. The goal is to build my own PhD in combining human performance with investing to figure out how I can help leaders build utopian companies. By exploring my own curiosity, I hope to become a little wiser every day and hope this adds a little nugget of learning to you on a daily basis. Hey folks, so today's conversation is with Ricky Zhang. He is the founder of Prince of Travel. I first interviewed Ricky on episode 17 of the Accounted for podcast where we go through his career journey to starting Prince of Travel. And I will include the episode link in the show notes at omdventures.com slash omddaily. Just if you're curious to learn more about the beginning parts of how Ricky kind of transitioned into building the site. Um, for those of you who aren't familiar with Prince of Travel, it's kind of the what I'd consider the go-to website for Canadians who want to learn about and plan for luxury travel. And Ricky shares various reviews and tactics to help Canadians achieve their luxury travel goals. In this catch-up conversation, I asked Ricky about his experience in the travel industry during this whole kind of COVID pandemic era and his journey in 2019 of growing the business, tactics related to running a successful media company, and much more. And so we kind of focus the conversation more on actually operating the, the business and his learnings and successes, etc. And please note that this interview was recorded at the end of April and it was originally part of Accounted For, but since the transition to OMD Daily, it'll be now be part of this podcast. And another note is that we suffer some sound difficulties due to some internet connectivity issues we had near the end. So it's something I hope you can forgive me on. And I really do hope it doesn't detract too far away from the quality of the interview. But yeah, so thanks so much for tuning in and I hope you enjoy my conversation with Ricky. Hey everyone, today I'm joined by Ricky Zhang. He's the founder of Prince of Travel and a return guest from episode 17. Hey Ricky, thanks for coming back on the podcast, my friend. Hey Daniel, thanks for having me back again. Yeah. Um, it's a great it's great to be back. And yeah, I'm excited to catch up with everyone again. Yeah, no, like I think um we, we did catch up intermittently since the last podcast, like sometime like the summer of twenty nineteen before you moved to Montreal. Um but mm-hmm from what we just talked about before you're back in Ontario now, eh? Yeah. So it's funny. Um, late 2019 is when, you know, my, my girlfriend at the time, now my fiance, um, she started her master's degree over at McGill university. So, you know, for myself as somebody who's, you know, pretty flexible, pretty independent, and I enjoy, you know, seeing the new, seeing a change of scenery every now and then. So I was, I was happy to move to Montreal for a year and just, uh, yeah, see another side of uh, Canada. And then, um, you know, obviously the pandemic happened and McGill canceled all their classes for the rest of the semester. Um, And so it's annoying because I was planning to spend a lot of April, um, you know, visiting new restaurants in Montreal, trying out different places, Uh, weather's starting to get a little bit nicer. So, you know, maximizing the weekends and stuff. And then, you know, everything's shut down. The, the school has canceled their semesters. So then um, Jesse and I just decided 
we may as well come back to Ontario. Uh, her parents are here, so we're just we're chilling back here now. Got it. Did you fly back to Ontario? Uh, no. So it's funny because I, you know, I love flying. Um, I knew that it would probably be more prudent to, um, to drive. Mm. But I was like, I really wanted to fly, but I was like, no, yeah, it's more prudent to drive. So actually, um, we, we just decided, like, we may as well start the process of moving our stuff back anyway. Because, you know, we, we left a bunch of our stuff back in Montreal, but eventually we'll have to bring it back. Uh, that was the plan to just come back after one year uh, of her master's. So we, uh, her parents, yeah, they, they drove up, you know, we packed a bunch of our stuff and then we drove back. And so, yeah, kind of sad because it's a little bit of a premature ending to our time in Montreal, but also, you know, we still hope to go back and kind of spend a bit of the summer there. Hopefully things will have improved and we'll be able to like go out and explore. And we do intend to make the most of that. No, yeah, 100%. And, you know, Prince of Travel, it's, you know, it started out just as like a travel blog, but now I think it's kind of expanded to something like more where I think you've expanded to having like a consulting service. You now have like meetups with your group and your YouTube channel has been constantly growing. I remember when we first uh, chatted, you were, you were thinking about starting videos and now you're pumping out daily content. And so how how has the, the site evolved? Like I'm just kind of naming just the segments of it but i'd love to hear from your perspective how you see how you see how, how you would describe this business evolving yeah for sure i uh i don't recall like when was the first time i came on do you remember what what time yeah so time I, was? I was curious i checked the date it was um this 2018 october was when you okay. came on yeah okay so yeah october 2018 i think i had just recently left my uh full-time job at bmo right at yeah the time. Right, to run Prince of Travel um, as a full-time project. And yeah, at the time I was saying like, oh, I have all these ambitions to do, you know, YouTube, do videos, um, expand into uh, different media and stuff. And I'd say that it's been a, it's been a fun journey so far, right? Uh, following through on those ambitions in 2019 and, you know, early 2020. Um, in 2019 is when I, you know, made a goal of taking the YouTube channel more seriously. So that meant, you know, posting on a regular basis. For me, that's once a week because I also do post on the website, uh, like very often. That's kind of my main focus where it has been since the very beginning. So that itself has also ramped up over the years. I believe at the time of our last recording, late 2018, I was still only posting probably three times a week, right? I think if I recall, and then in early 2019, I ramped that, I ramped that up to five times a week. And then in late 2019, it's now seven to eight times a week. So it keeps me very busy. Um, but I would also say that I have gotten better at, you know, productively and, you know, concisely ramping up the posts and being able to articulate my thoughts. Uh, yeah. Like more efficiently and uh, you know, put everything together. And so it hasn't really been too much of a burden. I think now, I think nowadays the seven to eight posts a week is probably my upper limit because I do also want to have some time for, like I said, the other media. And that includes the YouTube videos, which obviously take uh, a fair bit of time to, you know, script, uh, you know, conceive of script, edit, record and that stuff. Um, and then, yeah, like you said, I've done a few in-person events um, you know, in the past few years, this year, I guess we can talk about this year's challenges, right? 
um, as a as a member of the travel industry, it's it's naturally uh, been difficult ever since mi the middle of March. So right now we're speaking in late April. So it's been a challenging month or so, uh, which is a shame because I was taking a look at my uh, traffic numbers recently, and January and February of 2020 actually did really well. Like it benefited from a pretty significant jump in traffic from the previous year. Uh, and I, I was like, yeah, I was really happy. I was like, hard paying off a little bit here. And then obviously we get this big ex external shock um, in March. And yeah, the traffic obviously has taken a hit. Uh, the revenue has taken a hit. And you know, from my perspective, it's a matter of, yeah, just believing in kind of the fundamental, you know, underlying strength of the brand that we saw that I worked on, you know, over the past few years. And hopefully as people start traveling again, um, being able to, yeah, recover from this, this leaner period. Yeah, like I was actually wondering if, you know, because, you know, your, your, tra your jet setting has kind of stopped, whether your schedule would have, you know, halted a bit, but it seems like you've, you know, been consistently pumping out content practically every day, like all of April and like March as well. And so I'm curious, like, do you, how far do you schedule all that out in, in, in advance? Because you're not writing, you know, some, you know, one paragraph blog post. Like when I read like your recent ones as well, like they're, they're detailed, they're detailed, they have okay. pictures and everything. So okay. you obviously plan everything out in advance and you, you know, think about, okay, I'm probably going to write about this. I'm probably going to do a review on this hotel. Mm -hmm. How far mm -hmm. out do you schedule everything? That's a good question. I would say that um, unlike unlike websites that are focused entirely on travel, right? Like your so-called travel blog or travel blogger, um, you know, I focus on teaching people how to travel the world by maximizing their rewards points, you know, by taking advantage of deals and stuff, um, and then also like the the industry around that, right? The industry of credit card rewards, of uh, loyalty programs, of airlines around the world. So I think there's still a lot, a lot of content to put out, a lot of things to discuss, um, a lot of news and updates to give people, right? As you know, this is an ever-changing situation that also changes really fast. So in that sense, yeah, I've, I've benefited from still having reliable content to write about. Um, yeah, for me, like in terms of the workflow, I would say that uh, at the end of at the end of a certain week, I aim to have like my next week's blog post plan, like kind of plan of content to write every single day, uh, thought out uh, before before the week begins. Sometimes I leave like a few gaps in case there's news that drops during the week, which these days happens pretty often. Like a loyalty program will say, okay, because of the pandemic, we're doing this, this, and this to you know help out our members. Uh, to reward our members for the loyalty so that stuff usually comes in on short notice and i just have to cover it like the day up so i just slot that in and so yeah i have a, I have a you know i have a google calendar with all the planned blog posts for the next one to two weeks wow. and i just continually add to that when it comes to mind and um yeah i i found it like pretty pretty smooth for march and april and that, a lot of that also has to do with the fact that I had a bunch of trips from just before, right. right? That I finished like just as things were completely changing, um, and I still have yet to finish writing about those. Those con those pieces of content will last me until mid to late June if I'm 
you know, I'm tracking it accurately. And then after that, we'll see, like maybe I just <laughs> won't have anything to talk about. But also hopefully we'll be able to travel again at some point. No, yeah, definitely. And I remember when, so when we first talk, spoke, I think the, I might be wrong in this, but when you decided to leave BMO and go full-time on Prince of Travel, you're deciding how like your, I think monthly uniques were something close to like 10,000 people were visiting. Mm-hmm. How, how, how has that kind of evolved? And like, you know, before your business model was very like ad focused. And I remember I was learning from mm-hmm. you and like, okay, how should I think about even like getting advertising on my platform as well? Um, and how has that, that also evolved for your business as well? Is it still a very kind of ad based model? Right. Um, so I guess, uh, I guess we'll talk about the traffic first. Um, <clears throat> the way I see it, like there's, there's two parts to it, right? There's building up your traffic. Um, and then once you have the traffic, there's turning that traffic into revenue. So monetization, right? Different ways, uh, different revenue streams, advertising being one of them. Um, so in 2018, yeah, I think, uh, 10,000 a month, roughly, I think by 2018, it would have been higher than that. I think it would have been around, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, like 20, 20,000 mm-hmm. a month, uh, by late 2018, at least. So yeah, we've seen like consistent increases over the years. Um, 2019, if I recall, in the early part of the year, there was a pretty significant jump uh, just from some new features that I had made. Also keep, keep in mind that I started writing more frequently, right? So there's a lot more content for people to absorb. So I think by, um, by mid 2019, we would have been at 100, I think 150K uh, yearly unique visitors. So that, no. is, that, is that right? No. I gotta, sorry, I gotta just like recall because this is actually, you know, the, the more the time goes on, the less I actually uh, study the numbers like real depth, real in depth. Um, actually, do you mind if I just, while we're here, I'm just going to take a look at our analytics. Yeah, dude, don't worry about it. So I'll, I was, it really, it really isn't something that we look at every day. Yeah, no, like I, I don't, I never look at my analytics either, but I was curious, um, cause I was, yeah. I thought about asking you the question. And so I thought I should look at my analytics too. And mine, obviously they, they are tiny compared to yours, but, um, yeah, it's like, it's one of those things I just rarely look at, <laughs> but I was curious mm-hmm. on your end to like how, how you think about that and how you think about building the audience, et cetera, as well. Yeah, I would say that like when you're first starting out, like when I was first starting out, I was like popping on the analytics every day because <laughs> the numbers like when they're small, every you know one number feels a lot more significant, right? That's kind of just how it, how it's always, how it always is. Um, and then like once you're a little bit more established and you kind of have a general sense of the, the traffic levels and the audience and sorry, and the revenue coming in, then it's, uh, it matters less to pay attention every time. Okay, so yeah, by mid 2019, we grew to like 40,000 uh, monthly users, okay? And then it was, yeah, like I said, early 2020, I was really excited. We're getting a big, big, uh, big boost. I think we got to like 60,000 by early uh, 2020 wow. in terms of unique users and then uh, let's see page views is yeah page views um, was high too it was like 250,000 page views so part of the part of the growth as well was the fact that because I started uh, writing a lot more started putting out a lot more content 
it seemed that you know over time the number of page views per user also increased mm. so people are spending more time on the website engaging with the website more um and yeah like i said it was a very positive trend until you know coronavirus pandemic we're all familiar so now i'm like march was uh about 60% of the peak in January, 50 to 60%, um, which is, I would say like, obviously upsetting, but compared to my peers, like, you know, focused entirely on travel, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm kind of happy that it's not more than a 40 to 50% decrease. And part of that was also because you know, I sometimes um, put a bit of advertising spending and marketing for some travel, you know, with my like first class videos and stuff. And I kind of decided to stop doing that because nobody wants to see somebody sitting in a plane telling them to travel right now. It's just not effective. So part of that is, yeah, the, uh, the page traffic going away too. So <clears throat> yeah, I'd say like, if we kind of forget about this, hopefully temporary blip, um, I'm very happy with the with the growth that we've made over the years. I think um, <clears throat> part of it is just you know standing by the the value that I provide, right? Like I, I I'm fully I fully believe that um, Canadians can really benefit from learning how to maximize their travel rewards and and being better informed in that sense. And I fully believe that I'm the person to send that message, like. I'm, I'm all about this stuff. I've spent a lot of time figuring it, it out and I'm happy to just share my knowledge and, and, and spread that for other people too. So part of it is, yeah, standing by that content, consistently putting it out there. And then it's also about diversifying, like we said, into different media types. So these days I have a lot of people telling me like, I love your uh, videos and your blog posts. Like they found me through YouTube, right? Which was the goal when I started. So to be able to reach more people who primarily uh, are more interested in absorbing information through video. Like, you know, these days, you know, millennials and, and, and Gen Z and whatever, they like the, the, the visuals, right? They like the short attention span. They might not want to sit down for a 2000 word detailed blog post if they don't already kind of understand the topic. And that's where kind of my, my videos hope to, um, yeah, hope to, introduce people to the topic basically gotcha and when when you actually went to the strategy of pumping out more content did you experiment with different kind of marketing channels like seos or social media marketing or did you kind of let it all kind of naturally or organically flow out uh your question was how do i decide on the content is that it uh no more, more so it was the marketing strategy behind it. like so you built up you know you schedule the content you decide i'm going to create more stuff and the way i've been approaching it is i just kind of pump it out and i just let squarespace's seos just kind of take mm. care of it and yeah. i i've experimented with putting my um stuff out on like linkedin or twitter um facebook mm -hmm. all that and i've kind of narrowed into okay if i were to share stuff i'd probably share it on linkedin and quora i recently started experimenting yeah. with twitter um i'll see how things evolve from there but i'm curious for you like what what worked for you? What did you try? Uh, what hasn't worked? Right. Um, it's funny because like everything I'm doing now isn't really part of a, like I'll be the first to, to admit that it's not part of a well thought out marketing strategy and that I could be doing a lot more to figure out like exactly what works and what doesn't. 
uh, and that I pretty much have been, for the most part, doing a similar thing of, you know, standing by the valley of the content, just kind of putting it out there and seeing where the wind blows, which, yeah, like, <laughs> you know, as business owners, we're, we're, we're busy people. We know that we need to, like, focus more on the marketing side. Um, and that was one of my projects for 2020. So hopefully I will follow through with that. But to answer your question, uh, my posts auto post to like Facebook, they auto share, right? Facebook, um, Twitter. So on Twitter, I don't really do anything else. They're just kind of there uh, once a day, like whenever it posts, people who follow me on Twitter uh, can click it and read. But I myself don't post on Twitter a lot. Um, and on Facebook, I think I kind of got lucky because a friend of mine in the community who like, you know, does the travel stuff as well. <clears throat> he had been running a Facebook group of like three to 3,500 members. Okay. For his like uh, website, which um, I guess it was just a casual hobby for him, but he did pretty well in terms of building that Facebook group and getting people excited in that little community. And then he moved to Australia. So he was like, <laughs> I'm looking to, you know, just make sure this group is in good hands going forward now that I'm no longer posting can Canadian content. And yeah, I guess I was well positioned to uh, take over the group and just ensure that, you know, people still found value out of it. So for a brief period, we, uh, we both were the administrators and we just both posted. And then eventually I was like, okay, do you mind if I just like, you know, rebrand the group and use it, you know, for my my readers for us to have a discussion platform, right? Because I felt like that was something that people would really value. And he was like, yeah, sure, man. Like he, he didn't know if he was gonna come back to Canada anyway. So um, yeah, late 2019, I just rebranded the group. It's called Prince of Travel Elites. Uh, it's, you know, full on discussion platform, whatever goes, people, whatever people wanna talk about, they can talk about. And I'll just, you know, if there's a big, uh, big news item or big like, blog post that I wrote, I'll just share it in the group um, and ask people what they thought and stuff. So that's something that really worked for me. I think um, it's, been, it's been going well. People like having that discussion platform on Facebook. Um, and then aside, of, aside from that, yeah, probably YouTube would be another one. They all, you know, they all kind of have slightly different overlap in terms of the people. Like some people follow me on all the platforms Others primarily interact through video or just as a reader or uh, just on a Facebook group, for example. So YouTube's where the, where the video is. And then what I do on uh, Instagram is I just post like pictures of the, of the fruits of the labor, you know, of like what's possible for, for you to achieve. So like business class, first class, luxury hotels and stuff and the destinations. Uh, and that's just purely to, um, yeah, to, to make people interested, to make people wonder like, oh, what's, how is he doing this? Like, can I do it myself? Hopefully get them to watch the videos, uh, read the posts and stuff. I could also uh, bump up Instagram and just, you know, post all my knowledge and strategies on there as well. But I kind of have, I kind of like having that clean platform where it's just like, okay, this is here. It's just for fun, you know, to, to show you what's possible and, and hopefully get you excited. And then these days I've been stuck at home, right? So I've, I'm doing the same thing on TikTok now. TikTok's the new thing, right? Yeah, apparently. So I'm trying to like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just so out of the so social media game. So you're gonna have to educate me on that. It's uh, it's crazy, man. Like, it's just it just came out of nowhere. Everybody's on it. 
And it's another one of those things where like, okay, sure, it's a bunch of teenagers using it, right? Teenagers can't necessarily um, open credit cards and travel the world just yet. But when they turn 18, they will be able to, and you know, hopefully we'll get, get the next generation of um, Canadians traveling the world on points uh, interested that way. Yeah, it's just like, you know, you gotta make a little bit of time to, 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 to be active across all the platforms. And um, it takes a bit of getting used to and, and, you know, getting into the habit of it at the start. But I think it's, uh, it's very much a long-term game. Yeah, no, for sure. And what, what has been the kind of transition like when you, you know, you built this kind of audience with, you know, the value add that your content creates, but I think the conversion part to monetization is like a completely different game mm-hmm. on its own. Like I've, so over you know, since we chatted, like I've experimented with, you know, trying to get advertisers, definitely not as easy when and I don't have the numbers like you have, but what, I, what other channels I've explored, explored is, um, so like for my writing, I've been sharing it on medium and mediums actually mm. been paying me for people that actually like interact with my writing. So that could be, I don't know if that's a channel you've explored since you write a lot as well, mm. but that's been interesting. Um, I've, I kind of opened up for just donations, kind of like the Patreon model. And so I've been <laughs> getting a few donations, um, that way curious for you like what how has like the conversion thing evolved for you what's worked what hasn't right um well first of all uh display ads was always a big part of it um it's obviously like it's it's gonna be it's if you're doing if you're optimizing everything then your display advertising is gonna be a small part of the overall piece Mm. but you know, it's still like the most passive in the sense that you can just write whatever you want to write. And then as people see your page and see the ads, you, you get paid out. So it's it's nice to have that as a base. I think when we spoke the first time, I would have probably already been on Mediavine, which is kind of uh, a display ad network for slightly more established websites. So I think you need a minimum threshold of traffic to join, but they do pay out better than uh, Google does, which is like the basic one. So that's been, yeah, that's been growing consistently until now when nobody wants to advertise anything travel related. So that's down as well. For me, a big part of the revenue comes from um, showing people like, okay, how do you uh, earn the points that you need to travel? Okay. Through getting the credit cards, like which credit cards are best? What are the benefits for your specific situation? Um, and then saying like, okay, if you want to support the website, if you found value in this information that I provide, then here's my affiliate link, right? Which, you know, I've negotiated with the credit card issuers so that if you get approved, I get a little bit of a, of a reward, of a kickback. So it's like any affiliate marketing uh, just for credit cards and in general for financial products, it tends to be a little bit higher value. So <clears throat> that's probably a big part of the income. Now, the, the Canadian banks and financial issuers are a little bit more new to the game uh, compared to the American ones. So the American ones, like there's a bunch of bloggers in the US who do the same thing that I do and they make like a killing on the credit card affiliates because oh. they get paid like $300, $400 a piece for, uh, for the business, right? For somebody who gets approved because um, that's how much like the, the credit card issuers want to win people's business out there. Wow. Um, and how much they, they recognize this, the value of having these affiliate partnerships. Whereas I think there's not too many websites like mine in Canada 
So, you know, and over the years there haven't been. So the issuers generally, um, some of them like don't even have these programs, others do, but yeah, it, the payouts are never gonna be nearly as good as over in the US. That's just kind of, just, just kind of how it is. So that also meant that I had to diversify a little bit. Um, in early 2019, I started doing like personalized consulting, like on a request basis. So the thing with, uh, if you wanna travel on points, there's a, a specialized knowledge that you need to like kind of have, right? You can, need to kind of uh, do it a few times and get that experience and understand like, okay, I've got like, let's say 150,000 aeroplan miles and I wanna go to Asia, right? And it's not not always so simple as just locking on and, and booking your flight because you kind of need to know like how, how you piece your flights together and, and build the optimal schedule and stuff and avoid paying like thousands of dollars in fees so that's like knowledge that i've built up over the years and you know for a lot of people it's worthwhile for them to pay like 100 200 bucks an hour for somebody to figure that out for them because ultimately they're still getting like a 90 percent discount on business class right um if they pay that fee if, and then if they pay the fees associated with their booking they're still ultimately only paying like $300 for business class to Asia when otherwise they'd have to pay like $5,000 or $7,000. So that's kind of the, the value that I provide people. And if people need it, then, you know, I'm happy to just charge on an hourly basis. And I'd say that that's been, you know, going pretty well as well. Obviously, um, you know, early 2020, I was getting lots of bookings. March, 2020, they all stopped because nobody was you know, booking anything um, as, as with everything else. Um, and then <laughs> it's funny because like, you know, to go back to um, marketing and, and the, the stuff that we know we should do with our websites, but don't always do like um, <clears throat> a lot of, I, I, have, I have a few people who found me through the YouTube channel and then stumbled upon my consulting page and just assumed that like it was free, you know? Like they, they just didn't even click around like, the, the page that says the pricing, they just like submitted a, requ a request and then we're on the phone and they're like, and when I tell them, it's like, oh, it's 200 bucks an hour. They're like, wait, what? I didn't see any uh, <laughs> page that, that says that. So yeah, I did need to put some thought into, like I've built out all these media pages. How do, how do they all link together, right? How, how did the user experience flow through from one to the other? And how do I make sure that there's no uh, unexpected issues like that happening? Yeah, but overall, um, those are the main ones, I would say so far. Um, ads, affiliates, uh, across a bunch of credit card issuers, um, consulting. And then you mentioned uh, Patreon style. So like kind of supporting, you know, these days there's a lot of people who are willing to, to join a Patreon or, or something like a subscription-based thing or, you know, donation almost like model um, where they support the, the creators that they like. And that's something that, yeah, I've been looking into. And I think uh, with the leaner revenues right now could be something worth launching. Um, so yeah, maybe in the upcoming like weeks and months, we'll see something like that. For me, it's it's a bit of a, a fine line though, because a lot of my best content, like I want as many people to see it as possible, right? I would feel kind of conflicted about putting it behind a paywall. But then again, like lots of other people do that, right? Lots of content these days is behind a paywall. 
so yeah, more for me to think about, but um, I think we'll make it happen. Yeah, someday. yeah. Like honestly, for me, nothing's behind the paywall. Like I, that's something I've been debating on as well. So everything's still free. It's just I just get a donation. So it's more like. <laughs> It's kind of more of a very yeah. altruistic thing that I'm asking of people, um, and so some people and are happy have you, to do it. Have you found that? Have you found that to be yeah? Have people been donating? And yeah, happy to. Yeah, like so, I keep it open where um, I kind of call it like it's like a coffee. Sh- it's like buying me coffee, like for like uh, an mm, hour yeah. for like, the conversation kind of thing. So the yeah. the increments I use are the prices of coffee. So if you either buy me one coffee a month or two coffees a month kind of thing, some right, people just right. I've had one where it's like you know a whole year's worth of coffee just in just like a one-time um, donation uh, or some people will do like a monthly just one coffee a month kind of thing but there has you know money has been coming in like not a lot like it's not enough to really sustain me I'm still living off of my savings but it's mm-hmm. been kind of more so like I guess confirmation that okay it's valuable enough to some people and so yeah there's something like that but yeah I don't know it's something I'm constantly experimenting with and mm-hmm. We'll, we'll see how things develop. Like you have a bigger user base than I do. So you'll definitely see, I think, more data points to like work with, but definitely an idea. Yeah, I'm excited to play around with it. Like I personally would want to um, just like, just like this is kind of who I am. Like I, I, I don't like coming across like I'm just asking for people to donate, right? right. You know what I mean? I'd rather um, provide people with undeniable value for what they are, you know, giving, mm-hmm. I guess, what they are contributing. So, yeah, I think a platform like Patreon could be a good fit there. Um, it's just for me to think about, like, what to put into. Yeah. You know, Patreon has, like, different levels, and it, it can get, like, <clears throat> I don't want them to cannibalize each other, right? And, yeah, it's just, it's an interesting problem to tackle. <laughs> it, it's, it's these times of crisis, crises, right, where we mm-hmm. have to think differently, get a little more, little more creative, and yeah 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 it's just i think though like your consulting idea is definitely a huge value add like i like i like digging into the things that you write so you know i like trying to create my own systems and i have friends who like they love your content and so they've done all the uh, open jaw and like mini round the world <laughs> trips I've, i have a friend yeah. who's been like doing like multiple mini round the world trips with like him and his significant other um and so some mm-hmm. people i think will be able to do it on their own but there's a lot yeah. of stuff to it i think i have to read through easily like I, I think five six different articles for me to kind of understand like okay i think yeah. i think now i think i i know how to plan things out um so i think that's yeah. definitely like a value add for sure like the consulting piece because it's not as easy I yeah. think, as people like think like they kind of come come across it and they go oh yeah it's probably easy i just need the points and i'll just book it but there's definitely a lot, lot of nuance in there yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's easy to to draw people in like that, right? Yeah, yeah, because um, yeah. because because really, when you know what you're doing, that's essentially what it is. Um, but it is a big learning curve, and I always encourage people to give it a go themselves. Like I think it's a useful skill to have. But obviously, you know, I have you know consulting clients who are like uh, lawyers and race car drivers and stuff. Yeah, I spoke to a race car driver. That's recently. so cool. Yeah, pretty fun. <laughs> and they're like, you know, they just happen to rack up like millions of points over the years or from their business. And, um, and it's just not like, it's just not their area of expertise, right? They'd rather um, do their own thing and just have me take care of everything else and give them the ticket that they need. So happy to, happy to provide that. Yeah. And so for someone, you know, you're, 
you have you're plugged into the travel industry and yeah you probably have a lot of other friends who run like you said travel blogs or plugged in like how does the industry like look right now like do you is it just kind of everything's just dead silent you know you talked about how like your indications that the traffic's gone down but is it also just kind of no one's mm-hmm. just thinking about travel um like there's no like rewards like nothing has like changed like but how does the industry like look right now mm-hmm. um i would say like at the at this exact moment uh it's pretty bad like it's it's basically devastating yeah right? there's there's no denying the fact that like like airlines are like losing money every day because people are canceling future bookings uh, while not making any new ones, right? They're having to cancel like flights through to end of May, like even June, some of them. Um, hotels, you know, vacation rentals, uh, tours, guided tours, um, everything, like com- entire countries that depend on tourism as a big driving factor in their economy like they're yeah they're suffering because as of this moment right everything's kind of ground to a halt i think we all know that um i think the big uncertainty that is still uncertain even after this long is just when like things might start resuming to normal right because there's and a lot i think a lot hinges on that in terms of the long-term well-being of many of the players in this space I think they they can survive like up to let's say midsummer without meaningful uh, significant improvements in the situation. But if it's longer than that, like it's going to be just really bad in terms of the impacts on the whole industry. So I think um, whatever happens, like I think every all the stakeholders will be you know definitely invested in ramping things up as quickly as it's safe and acceptable to do so. Uh, it's not going to be an overnight thing. We're all you know, going to be watching to see like one by one as countries like relax their travel uh, advisories, right? Right now, Canada has avoid all travel outside of Canada, basically. So I think the day that that gets relaxed will be a day of celebration, obviously, but it doesn't necessarily mean that um, it'll actually be feasible to go anywhere because everywhere else might still impose, you know, 14 day quarantine or just close their borders, keep them closed, right? So everybody right now, um, like my readers, my community of people who love travel, I think we're all just making tentative plans. And, you know, we're, we're making plans for maybe summer, maybe fall with the understanding that maybe we'll have to cancel them. So we, we just have to accept that at the time of booking. Um, and just make our peace with that. And it's hard to be, honestly, it's hard to be like super pumped up for trips when you're booking like that. But that's just the reality. Right now, <clears throat> it's uh, it's like, yeah, low key optimism is mm-hmm. all you can have, right? So we're, yeah, we're, we're booking trips for, I guess, for me, I pushed back my round the world trip in May to uh, late July and August, which I think is still very optimistic. Um, but like I said, I've made my peace with the thought that maybe I'll just have to call off that whole trip, mm. right? I've booked stuff for um, October, for December. And I think by then it's a greater chance that I'll be able to take those. Um, still, I've, I accept the possibility that I won't. And I also accept that even if I do like um, 
get to travel, then it's going to be a whole different experience from before, right? Just the whole process, like going to the airport, like on the airplane, you know, even in business class, but it's probably in economy class as well. Everything's going to be different. And for things to return to uh, pre-pandemic levels, it's widely agreed upon that it won't be the case for like another probably at least a year before um, probably when we have a vaccine that things will, people will actually travel with the same enthusiasm, right? With the same, uh, in the same numbers that they did before the pandemic. Yeah, no, I'm definitely hearing from, you know, like uh, other airlines that they might start having, you know, blockages in like the middle seats so that they try to impose social distancing and side planes. I don't know how many airlines will do that, but there's conversation all around that on how yeah. airlines will respond, how, you know, airplane manufacturers will kind of have to like shift, maybe creating new planes that allow for a little more spacing. Yeah. Um, long-term, that might be good for everyone when we actually get more, more spacing between seats. Um, yeah. <laughs> but definitely like, I think, you know, the, the investor in me, like I started like immediately looking at like flights to see like, hmm, I wonder how cheap flights are going to get like six months yeah. from now. And so I'm curious, like what are you, I'm sure you've been getting those kinds of questions from your community on, you know, are, are things going to get cheap, like cheaper over time? <laughs> are, you know, um, cancellation policies just so much better now? Um, Cause like you said, even if you book out in the summer, mm-hmm. are they getting more lenient about just, yeah, they cancel anytime you want. Um, no, like no penalties whatsoever. Like what, how how has any of that changed? Um, very good question, and yeah, it's worth elaborating on this a little bit. So, <clears throat> um, <clears throat> if you if you book, yeah, what 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 we've observed recently is uh, airlines have obviously had to cancel a bunch of their flights, right. but because of their little cash problem, right, the fact that they're losing like millions of dollars per day. Uh, because of that, they're actually reluctant to provide refunds when they cancel flights. And instead, what they say is like, we'll offer you uh, a travel credit for the next 24 months for the equivalent value of your flight. Okay. So this is the case, even if it was the airline who canceled your flight. And in ordinary circumstances, if the airline cancels, they'll give you a refund. No problem. Right now, yeah, it's, it's very hard to get a refund. Uh, get your money back basically because of this little liquidity issue that airlines are having and so um yes the cancellation policies some airlines might have implemented generous ones but by and large i think the safest uh way that to you know if you if you have loyalty points i think the safest way to book travel right now is by using your points because the points programs have been very kind about like giving you back your points if you need to cancel or stuff. They've been very understanding because when you use points, um, you're not actually giving the airline cash to hold on to, right? So that has been my strategy and what I have been recommending to people. Uh, try, try your best to avoid making, yeah, like non-refundable purchases, which if the airline were to cancel would remain non-refundable, right? That's kind of the situation we find ourselves in. Um, in terms of cheaper fares, though, like, yeah, we've definitely seen um, more often, like, there's been fares, fair deals, fair sales, and even, like, mistake fares, which is, like, uh, it's funny, like, I don't know if it was, if it's because of the pandemic, or because the people who are coding the fares are all working from home and can't <laughs> properly talk to each other, 
but we've seen a bunch of fairs where it's like first class for like 500 bucks or stuff. Really? Like, yeah. Clearly, um, and this stuff has happened in the past, but this year so far we've seen a, a, quite a lot of them, right? Like business class across to Asia for like 800. And they're very short-lived. Uh, the, the, the airline doesn't always honor them, but sometimes they do. And one of the things that, you know, we in the travel community look out for is when these, you know, super, super good fair sales happen, uh, we tend to pile on them and, and book quite a few of them. So, so that's one thing. Yeah. Like you'll definitely see lower fares across the board. And I think that'll also speak to, um, to your point, like a long-term change in the travel industry, because, you know, if we think about like the reason why business class and first class fares are so high, the reason why we're able to redeem our points for such high value, well, that's because, you know, it's business travelers who are paying those, right? Or on, on the company's dime, they're traveling last minute often. Uh, they don't, they're very uh, not price sensitive, right? They, if they need to go somewhere, they'll, they'll pay the price. So it's really thanks to business travelers that we kind of have this ability to um, use points for business class at a very high value. Now, people are not traveling right now. There's no business travel going on. Everybody's on uh, Zoom and stuff, right? And, and getting a lot of work done anyway. So who knows, like combine that with the long-term impacts on the travel industry itself. And maybe there will be a lot less business travel going on. Maybe, you know, business class and first class uh, cheaper fares will be uh, the way forward. And so that also, yeah, it just means like, I think I'm expecting to see these cheaper uh, fares in pretty much all classes of service for the foreseeable future for like, 2020 2021 ish oh wow so then how, how are you advising people um so you know generally a lot of your audience base is canadian and so i think a lot of people probably have like aeroplan points as well so how are you kind of advising mm -hmm. people to think about aeroplan like i know you i think a few weeks back you might i think you also uploaded like a separate content on how the new aeroplan is kind of different and there's like new details on that but if you can kind of give like a elaboration on how we should kind of think yeah. about aeroplan even since then well, it's, it's tricky because um, for, for those who aren't familiar, Aeroplan was supposed to like, uh, just like come out with a brand new version of the program, if not a brand new program itself, sometime this year in 2020. It was supposed to be launched in uh, July. Um, and this was before like uh, the pandemic. And now, like from what I'm hearing, it seems that, well, it seems quite likely to me that we'll see some kind of delay in terms of the timing of this new program launch, uh, because you know, Air Canada has been, um, you know, working from home. They haven't really had probably the resources to put into all this. They've had to put a lot of resources into first bringing people back to Canada and then figuring out which of their flights to cancel, right? And then figuring out like how to um, engage with members during COVID nineteen. So that's one, and then also like. It just, it just wouldn't make any sense for them to heavily market this program, this new program, which they were gonna do. They were gonna put like tons of money into the marketing uh, when nobody's traveling, right? It's just not a bad, not, not a good timing at all for them. So I would expect to see a bit of a delay in the new program rolling out, which means we have a few more months ahead of us to 
redeem points under the current structure, which overall I would say is pretty favorable for anyone looking to travel internationally, especially in business class or first class. So, you know, now's the time if you have Aeroplan miles or um, American Express points, which convert at a one-to-one -one ratio, uh, now's the time to be thinking about, would you want to travel in, let's say, a late 2020 or early 2021, right? And if so, like I said, best to use your points to book that because uh, very uncertain as to the refund policies around when you're buying buying flights with cash. That's so better to use your points, better to um, take advantage of the sweet spots under the current program. Like you mentioned, the mini round the worlds, um, you know, stopovers and open jobs and stuff. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, and then if you, if you, so that's if you uh, feel like traveling in the, if you feel like traveling towards the end of the year in early 2021, if you're more content to just hang out on the sidelines and kind of wait for everything to resume almost to normal um, before getting to travel, then yeah, I'd, I'd say that's a totally reasonable position for a lot of people to take, right? There's definitely gonna be an element of risk associated with being the first travelers who start traveling again. Um, so it, it totally makes sense to also just just take it easy and save your miles for the future. Yeah, no, definitely. I think, um, yeah, like, I think though, like the airplane was sort of like making changes, right? Like where they wouldn't allow as many stopovers, even in the mini around the world trips. And so a part of me was kind of fearing for my own airplane points of, uh, should I hold on to it? Will the new program be better? But I think it's just speculation at this point. Like I can't really, I don't know if any of us really know. So what, what, uh, what an Air Canada representative has said on the record is that they, they recently, in 2019, they changed the rules to make it from two stopovers to one stopover, right? And they've since confirmed that they will be bringing back the two stopovers. That's one. Uh, but the thing is, we don't know if they will like change the number of miles required for the flight, for example, mm -hmm. right? They could easily change that and a whole bunch of other stuff regarding the program. I've, I've heard it's going to be very different. So, you know, and that different, who knows if it's good or bad. Um, if, if they were sticking to the original timeline of a July 2020 launch, then maybe around this time is when we'll hear some details. But uh you know, with COVID-19, who knows, like, what, what they'll do. I haven't really heard much uh, from there beyond the recent updates, which are more like how we're taking care of members at this time. Got it. I think that's the focus right now. So, <clears throat> yeah, there's, there's still a lot of uncertainty, but hey, you can be sure that the day that it's announced, I will be <laughs> typing something up and letting people know. Oh, yeah, 100%. And so for you, like, you know, you've made these kinds of trips, trip plans, kind of semi-optimistically, hopefully it all, it all works out. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But in terms of like how you're positioning the, you know, your overall business, like you talked about how, yeah, like there, there could be changes in like the, how points themselves work. Um, you have content until June, July, so that kind, that size kind of taken care of. But has there, any kind, has there been any kind of shift in kind of mindset of the future of how your business could evolve into, like just given the current mm -hmm. crisis? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. Um, I think, I think like the, the elements I mentioned, right? Like ads, affiliates, consulting, like they'll still be, you know, 
key components in the long-term future. But I think um, sh short-term wise, uh, they're definitely affected. Uh, there's no denying that. And obviously I'm hoping for as swift a resumption as possible in terms of people traveling and, and the traffic, people Googling like how to use aeroplane miles and stuff. So they'll come to my website. Um, but I also think like now that I have a bit more time, uh, you know, spare time now that I'm not traveling, not really doing anything else, <laughs> I can uh, I can also think about other kind of channels to build in there, right? Other long-term projects that I had um, and just give them some more thoughts and uh, figure out which ones may or may not work. And also like for myself, like take some time to develop some other skills, right? That I may not have uh, actually to recently. So it's like one example, <clears throat> one example of the first would be, uh, I've always thought about in addition to, you know, offering the free content and offering the consulting, uh, maybe like a dedicated like digital product, like a course for people to kind of sit down and understand everything in one go. Um, and recently I've been speaking to a friend of mine who uh, does similar stuff and just kind of exploring the possibilities there. So that will be, you know, just one of many possible diversification options to kind of build out. And once you have a product, it's much, much easier to actually market that compared to just like the promise of learning to travel on points. And then you, you know, you click through and you have to like read 300 blog articles. Uh, whereas a product is like nicely packaged, you know, dress it up, make it look really good, make it a good experience uh, for the user. And, um, and yeah, that's something that I hope to do. And then to take an example of, you know, outside Prince of Travel, like we we're speaking before we started recording about like you were in, investing more energy into figuring out um, like your finances, the personal finance side and stuff. I'm trying to do the same. Like I've, I've spent a lot of years just kind of focused on how do I make the most money, right? Without really thinking about like what I'm going to do with that money. So now I'm also taking yeah, a few hours a day to just uh, make sure that I'm clear on, on all the details there and, and go over some ideas. Um, yeah, it's a time to, um, to kind of, I, I guess like let my, let my wisdom kind of brew, right? In the background let everything simmer a bit and, um, and make, make plans for the next moves when the time is right. Yeah, no, definitely. I think this, this period is, is an awesome time for people who haven't done, who haven't had a chance to do so to kind of sit down and reflect if that's not part of their uh, regular activity. And for you, you know, as you've been kind of jet setting, building this platform on your own for the last two years or so, what what about yourself have you learned since um, you know like the last conversation? Sorry, what? Oh, you're back. Okay. What What'd you say? <laughs> yeah, no worries. We have <laughs> just having some internet difficulties. Um, yeah. So the the question was. You know, you've been building your. You've been just so focused and head down on building the platform for the last like few years. Mm -hmm. And if you were kind, of, you were to kind of look back, you know, using this opportunity to look back. What about yourself? Do you think you've like learned most um, from building this whole platform? Because like, I feel like it's kind of like when you're building mm -hmm. your own, 
meet like at least for me like from building omd ventures you end up just learning a lot about who you are and what you prefer what you don't mm-hmm. like the kind of personality you are um just from the work that you constantly do every day because like we're just kind of this is the entire life yeah yeah totally i think that's exactly what i would say i i'd say that like it's really allowed me to um zero in on you know what i what, what i would like to be doing every day and like sort of what uh ideas i would like to be sharing and spreading and um obviously that being you know travel as much as possible but not just traveling but also yeah like you know developing your uh like broadening your horizons and developing a, a global understanding of things and uh, using travel as sort of a tool to accomplish those things and then using rewards points as a tool to accomplish those things right so being able to uh, work in that space and work with those topics every day uh, has been has been very rewarding and i think it's just made me a lot more uh, happier and and positive of a person and just having that that good energy compared to before when it seemed like my time was being you know pulled in all different directions uh, that wasn't really where i wanted to go so yeah it would probably just be um the, the most rewarding part would just would be the fact that I have been able to do that and um, have been able to yeah be more be more confident that it's exactly what I want to be doing has there been any kind of surprising revelations that you just kind of didn't expect uh, from yourself sorry did you get that it seemed like it was a bit oh uh, no worries I think you're okay you're back <laughs> no, um the question was has there been any, any kind of surprising revelations that you just didn't expect yeah um okay so i think the i think the biggest surprise is like um the challenge of traveling at the same time as building a brand around it and like putting in the work around it mm. it's uh it's really two completely completely opposite you know endeavors where it's like when i'm traveling i i shouldn't be you know putting a lot of time into work in order to get the maximum experience out of it um and the same uh the same is true in the opposite direction but like the nature of you know my my posting schedule means that i've got to be you know turned on and connected at least a few hours per day so yeah that has been probably biggest challenge biggest surprise that i wasn't necessarily expecting i was expecting like okay like i'm traveling i'll be like it's just super you know super happy doing whatever like going out to see stuff in the afternoon but it's like a completely different uh mind space that you're in that you just gotta uh locate the time be able to balance properly between the two and yeah, it was just more challenging than I was thinking. Um, I think in the long run, like, I will have to think about what parts, um, let's say, as the just what parts of uh, the work side can be you know, taken off my plate for a few days or a few weeks in order to truly you know, immerse myself in a destination, in order to truly uh, slow down a bit, which I think is very much necessary. So um, I'm happy to, yeah, be in a position where that seems like it could be a possibility sometime where I can have, you know, some people just just taking care of 
how things are going on the website while I um, devote all my energy to enjoying the travel. Mm-hmm. So then have, have you explored like the idea of like bringing on um, employees for the site or like outs- outsourcing some of the work that might be like time consuming for you? Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't I don't think I mentioned this, but I actually brought on some summer interns last year. Wow. In the summer. And then since then one of them is like my my part time assistant uh, on a weekly basis. So that has been yeah, the, I think I would say the first step in that direction. Um, and I would consider everything like the, the website's only three years oldish, so I would consider everything to be uh, among its baby steps. But yeah, that was um, pretty satisfying for me to be able to um, have some help and then also get some experience as a uh, as a like as a manager, as a delegator, right? In terms of like what needs to be done, what uh, needs to be delegated. So that, yeah, I think we're going in that direction. Yeah, that's a big step. Um, if uh, if COVID nineteen will allow it. <laughs> <laughs> also, you know, assuming that you know things will eventually become like come back to normal and hopefully COVID ends relatively sooner yeah. than you know people predict. What? How do you see the kind of business evolving? You know, five years, ten years out. If you have actually thought about that far, what do you, mm-hmm. what do you want to make it into? I think there's a lot of first of all in Canada because I think that just the idea of like uh, putting a bit more thought into them that idea is not really average Canadians uh, consciousness right the average Canadian just uses their big five bank credit card and calls it a day whereas you know when I look at let's say um, the American space it seems a lot more mainstream the idea of you know, just putting a little bit, bit of thought into your plan, into your strategy in terms of like what your travel goals are and tailoring your credit cards, your loyalty programs to those goals. So I think we have still a lot of people in Canada to reach and, um, and that's encouraging. And um, in terms of Canada's resource for this kind of stuff, right? Um, these days I hear a lot of people who are like, who are like, yeah, like my, my friend told me to go to your website and I'm so glad he did because, you know, I've learned so much about, about using my credit cards and stuff. So I'm to kind of um, build upon that position, that reputation as uh, Canada's leading resource. And yeah, also dabble a bit, um, compete with the American websites, right? Mm-hmm. Because they're much bigger. They have a, uh, they've been around for a lot longer. They have a bigger presence. Um, but I think there, you know, we do cover a lot of global topics in this space, like topics that apply to everyone, no matter where you live. So I would love to be able to um, attract a bit more of a global audience too. Um, and then, you know, five to ten years from now, it's it's hard for me to say like if this will be like the one thing I work on, right? Because I'd love to, you know, I think I would be interested in other projects as well, but I don't envision that I will stop traveling at any time. So I think it can always be a place for me to document my thoughts, document my trips. And to me, that's really valuable because I'm already losing track of trips that I took two, three years ago, <laughs> but uh, it's a kind of a guilty pleasure of mine to go on the website and read about those again, right? And be like, oh yeah, that happened. 
um, that's super valuable for me. So I, I think, yeah, I, I like for it to always be um, something that I'm working on. No, that's awesome. And I think that's probably a pretty good, decent place to leave off our catch up chat today. So uh, mm-hmm. Ricky, thanks mm-hmm. so much for coming on my podcast and uh, also just catching up with me, man. I really appreciate that. Yeah, thanks for having me. I really enjoyed uh, the opportunity to just candidly look back on the past few years and hopefully look ahead to the future as well. So thanks for having me. I really enjoyed our chat. Yeah, no, and I I look forward to having you back on again when Prince of Travel has evolved into like a new stage once again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. All right, take care, my friend.